So, you know, the other day I saw an interview with an upcoming architect with several interesting urban projects. He had this fantastic new urban lifestyle concept. We're talking high-density residential projects in the city, yes? However, he himself lives and works outside the city. So we're talking remote rural area, not inside the city. I think I've seen it too. Uh... Uh, although I can understand why he choose to live in a village. I mean, some, some people choose living in a rural background to remove themselves from the, from the hustle and bustle of the city. I guess it makes sense. It can help you to have a better mental health. Well, I can, I can also understand it. Though, um, I, love, I love the Berliner Luft, yes? Uh, Luft in, in German is air. So Berlin and Luft uh, is something I really like, um, but um, when I need, and I need some fresh air, top quality air, um, then obviously I would go outside of the city to take a walk in the park. I get it, really. Um, so what I want to say is that um, I like nature very much, but I also respect it deeply. And that's why I, I, I choose to live inside the city. That's, that's exactly the reason. Um, so some of my friends, they live in the countryside, right? And they have this um, Instagram account showing them outside in the garden where we're all in quarantine in our um, very small apartment inside the city. <clears throat> some even don't have balconies. Um, and, and it seems nice, <laughs> yes? It seems really nice. And sometimes I think, ah, maybe it would be nice to live outside the city in, in the village. Um, so let's say if I, would, if I would live in the city, if I would live outside the city, sorry, I could farm, I could grow my own food, the kids could run around outside, the dog, less stress, more sun, well, sometimes sun if you live in Germany. So especially in, a, in pandemic time, that people want to distance themselves from each other, then to live in the country, in your own green island, somehow makes sense. But the problem is that since we're an architect, we, we're supposed to promote living in the city. As much as we love going to the countryside, we're supposed to still live in the city. And it's the benefit of living in the city is much, much outweigh living in the countryside. And it's all has to do with density. Well, I agree. I agree that density is still um, a necessity. Well, actually, we need it, right? It's still the, the climate change is still a bigger challenge than yeah, definitely. the coronavirus that we are now relating to. And actually, there is, there is a bit of... Um, I, see, I think that there is a problem or there is a risk that now I see planners and designers designing with this um, notion of social distance and what if this will stay? Why if, it, if we get used to it and people will start designing the city to perpetuate the situation, the social distance and I think that's the wrong direction. 
So let's go back to what I said before about the fact that I like nature, but I also respect it. So if, if we have a smaller footprint in the nature, we use less space for our cities, let's say human for the culture, then we still have nature untouched where we could enjoy it and obviously get the benefits of it, clean air and all those very minor issues that we need. Um, so we save infrastructure and we save energy, which are, I would say, it's not only, but the biggest topics that we're facing. I mean that if you have, if you have a house is sitting, uh, standing alone in the, some kind of very distant village, yeah? So you need to yeah, yeah. create infrastructure for it. You need, you need electricity, you need water. And, and that is all, maybe you don't see it at the end, but it exists and you have to create it. You need to build it and you need to hurt the, yeah. the landscape while doing it. Um, so if you have it in the city, so in one building, one high rise, you have a lot of people using less infrastructure naturally, right? So that's yeah. less infrastructure. Also mobility. So if you have people driving, I mean, if you live somewhere in the country, maybe you can't even use the public transportation. You have to own your own car yeah, and use it all the time. The, the people who utilize this public transportation would be lesser, right? It doesn't make sense for the city to invest a lot of money in public transportation if it's only going to cater one or two or three uh, population. It has to be in a bigger group, right? So, yeah, so it makes sense. It makes sense exactly. that the city would would invest smaller amount of money if it's if the population is much more denser. I agree. I also think from the other side, uh, sometimes this moving into the rural area sounds like a commercial from the 50s, you know? You have this, um, oh, but life is so great out there. Yeah. Which is just false advertisement, right? <laughs> If you go into the specific and, and, and you learn a bit about what it means to live in the countryside, other than how it looks in Instagram. Because it looks the, good in the Instagram, countryside to say. should be just like that. It should be, it should be kept in nature. That's it. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have a suburban house. You shouldn't. You should build a house with the picket fences. Like when you said advertising, I was imagining uh, 1950s commercial, like advertising during the post-World War II, where you were supposed to pursue your dream living in a house in a suburban area. Exactly, because that works for someone that you buy this house, yeah. so obviously it will promote it in a certain way, right? Yeah. So you have to keep that in mind. But... It's very interesting to see some of the real data yeah. regarding the yeah. or the lifestyle in the village. Yeah, let's because that's that's what people always kind of put in your face. Oh yeah, but lifestyle is better. Well, is it? We mentioned the reason why people are migrating from the city is either social distancing, food production, or even mental health. Some of the reasoning, after we study it, turns out to be unfounded. For example, mental health. 
the numbers are interesting, I must say. So I read some research about the about mental health or uh, usage of any kind of pills, uh, alcohol, violence, and the numbers in the rural areas are higher. So researchers uh, show that physical and mental health issues are um, much more common, or say bad issues, yeah, negative influences uh, are much more common in mm. the rural area. Obesity, um, drugs use, in, especially in children, alcoholism, um, painkillers yeah. addiction, crimes within the family, all are higher in the rural area. Higher, you mean per capita higher, is it, or...? In well, well, this is what this is where the the problem the problem is because you have all kind of data, um, and then if you go into specific because it depends if you live in the in the village and you have money or if you don't have money, and so those are very global uh, data um, yeah. conclusions. Yeah, but uh, but I think even if they are not higher, and let's say there is some kind of a different nuance there it's not higher than the city. So I, just to say that this uh, argument is just not yeah. on the table where I see it. And actually, if you, if you, uh, if you go back to um, some classic architectural books like uh, um, Jane Jacobs, what she wrote and how she yeah. explains it um, about happiness. Let's talk yeah. about happiness, right? So um, the important when you when you live inside a city and you want to go to the store, you want to go to the supermarket. You're probably gonna walk there or use your bicycles. So on the way to the supermarket or to the store or to any other purpose in the street, you're gonna meet people yeah. you know. I meet people I know. I just went uh, today to the supermarket and on the way I met two neighbors. We had a light chat. Um, so. It was kind of light and nice, you know, and it kind of gives you this um, light feeling, happy feeling, and then you continue, and then you go to the supermarket, you know some of the faces, and you feel safe. Um, and this is important for you as a person to feel from, from, yeah. from the community. You feel like you're in a community, you're part of the community, and that makes you happier. Whether if you live in the rural area, and you go from your house into the car and then to the you just drive through get to the to the location the purpose your destination you go out you do what you need and go back so you have no interaction yeah. with people and because you're going to this remote place you probably don't know any of the faces you see if you go to yeah. to the shop to the supermarket yeah so in this in this aspect there is there's another study Uh, conducted in 2017. Um, researchers from Oxford and the University of Hong Kong, um, they studied the health of about 420,000 people from 22 cities in England, and they related happiness to high-density areas. So they say, basically, people who live in high-density urban areas, um, they are busier. They have wide range of activity, leisure activities, Uh, so they're so they can find um, activities that they like, yeah, and then mm. and then they feel like they have the yeah they fill their time with purpose, yeah. and not just 
because if if you imagine a young family living in the rural area, let's just take the classic uh, two parents, two kids. Yeah. So in the evening, what do you do after the kids are going to sleep? You watch TV, you sit in the computer, read a book. You can't just go for a second to for half an hour, an hour, sit with a friend for on, on a on a glass of beer. Uh, or you know, it's just it's just different lifestyle, and those little things, well, meeting people, doing other things that you like. These days, these days, people watch Netflix at home. Too much Netflix at home. <laughs> That's also the issue. If you live in the countryside, watching Netflix will be harder and less efficient. The government or the internet provider who installed the internet will have to set up the broadband cable. Or any related infrastructure just to cater a small number of customer, so it's a large investment just for a small number of people. <laughs> so, so, so the people who live in the country are pretty selfish, huh? <laughs> that's, what, <laughs> that's what you were trying to say. Well, if it quacks like a duck, you know, etc., etc. <laughs> okay, well. And now that now that we're living in the this pandemic era, the issue about era. Pandemic era. I mean, we have this era every one hundred years. Uh, we're going to talk about the social distancing in the next podcast. Thoroughly. Follow us in the next podcast. Hopefully, we will make more podcasts. Right? This is the first one, and we hope more will follow. the The idea that. Social distancing encourage uh, living in the countryside. It's just uh, it's just incorrect. Basically, the initial spread of the pandemic not only start in a more densified area, but it also has to do with economic levels. So, what happened? Say, for example, say in New York. The first uh, COVID nineteen spread happens in a place like Bronx and Queens, but not in a higher economic level area because they can afford to distance themselves. So the issue is not about being uh, abandoning density. The issue is how to make this densified area. Able to sustain themselves without leaving their location. We will follow through this argument further in the next podcast, where we where we will talk about densification, social distance, and the city, and and why it's actually not that bad. Yeah. Well, it's not not that bad. It's not the exact word, I guess. Well, it's because <laughs> it's actually influencing the whole world. It seems like before before the Corona or the pre Corona era, uh, we were on the right track. Okay, it was far from being perfect, right? But um, we started. We talked about climate change, and we knew we have to do something about it. And then came along the corona, and everything was just thrown out of the window. <laughs> like it was not important. And people think they have so much space that you can just distance each other. 
Um, and well, that's obviously not the case, not as I see it. And I think we have to keep our eyes on the ball. Um, and uh, yeah, we need to articulate the lifestyle that we want. Yeah, what we like in the village lifestyle that we adore apart from the social distance, right? We have social distance, but what more? And then we need to bring it into the city. So, yeah, that's um, instead of instead of thinking how we design with social distance and and somehow force it into staying and making uh, some kind of permanent decision in the urban space, uh, we have to um, we have to aspire to eliminate the problem yeah so we have to take some some issues together and bring them to the condition where we don't get to the situation where we have a pandemic for the, to to begin with right so we have to design healthier cities yeah. so um as we're going to talk in the next podcast and and the next uh, paper you you already wrote um to We, people need to understand also the benefits of this uh, social distance or to narrow this social distance because how it, how it helped, helped us uh, in, in previous um, pandemics or some people, right? So um, it's not all black and white, but, but the point is that um, we need to go back and focus in the city, just, just improve it. And, and we know what we want to have and, um, and how we expect lifestyle in the city. And we just need to insist on that. Aside to that, we're, we also talk about how we're living in the, how we're living in the countryside. It's easier for us to farm and provide for our food. That's also not true. People who live in the country not necessarily farm for themselves, yeah. but let's say they do. Let's just for the for the fun of yeah. it, right? Let's, let's say, say they that do. everybody in in it's, it cannot happen. But let's say everybody owns their own little plot yeah. and they grow food. That's the but it, it's not the case. So uh, let me let me start uh, with with first saying that. Um, 50% of vegetables that grow uh, that you grow in Europe don't even end up in the supermarket or on the plates, let's say. 20% doesn't even get to the shelf of the supermarket. So there's a lot of waste okay. in this process. So so I would like to to have to to talk about two different things. One is the land that we use and how we use it. Um, but also how we could better use the resource we have inside the city to grow food. Yeah. So let's let's go into it a bit with some facts and numbers as you like. Um, so let's talk about crops. So 50, 50% of habitable land uh, is used for agriculture. 23% is crops. So the rest... 77% is livestock. Um, and this 23% of the crops provide about 82% of global calories, which is way more than what you get from the, the 77% the livestock, of livestock. Yeah. So, so uh, this is to say that I am promoting a bit <laughs> people going vegan. No, I'm just saying <laughs> we have to really understand 
that um, we get much more from crops. Yeah. But also to say that um, the way we grow the, the crops is also a bit of a problem, right? Because um, you have to work the land, right? And when you work the land, you damage it. You damage the diversity it has inside, right? Because you expose, you know how you... When you expose the soil, so you have really delicate life and organism living inside and you expose it and birds are coming and they eat it or it gets dry in the sun we damage it it's like basically scratching your own skin if i could give it a bit of a image to your head so dramatic image dramatic (laughs) dramatic aspect yes so if you imagine a person opens his own skin obviously you know you understand it's not good right so this is what we're doing with the land so i'm saying we have to find a nice solution where we take this 20 it's only 23 percent yeah but it gives quite a lot of calories so we have to focus on maybe maybe have more of um dedicated land for um crop growth but but not outside the city and this is where i want to take it back to the city and talk about those unused or potential that we have inside the city because we have um, about 40 to 50 percent of the of the city surface are roofs which is quite a lot because not some of them are used but most of them 50, are 50%, not used 50 percent of the city surface is the roof 40 to 50 percent, yes. If only there's a way we can utilize that 40 to 50 percent. Hmm. How do we do that? <laughs> so, <laughs> what? So, well, I sound a bit myself like a commercial from the fifth or from the 80s, but um, yes, I, I think, uh, or when looking into the numbers, understanding how we use land um, and livestock in that matter we should definitely put more effort in 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 urban gardening and bring it as not as a special unique project but as a mainstream we have to really uh, apply those methods as a routine um and and obviously it has other benefits because it's not only about the food because yes we need food but the other benefit is that if you create green roofs and green facade you save a lot of energy you can save about 30% of the energy yeah. that you invest today to cool or heat the the houses yeah. right you can uh, collect water recycle water there is a lot of potential there and and this is not i'm not talking about new projects i'm talking about taking responsibility and own past uh projects that are now they're there they're part of the city and and they're not prepared for the future yeah. and we want to prepare to the future i could add that um well shaded green, green roofs translate into 3 to 7 degrees temperature dropped leading to cost saving of up, up to 42% which is nice if you want to save money. Oh, money. Money makes the world go round, you know. Don't just say, oh, money. But more importantly, it's not only money. You also conserve energy. So it's better for the environment. Just to add, um, between 60 to 70% of greenhouses gas emission originated in indoor energy consumption. 
So basically, if we if you have a well shaded green roof, um, it translates into three to seven degrees temperature drop, and then that could lead into cost saving of up to forty two percent. I don't know where the number forty two percent. I mean, it, it sounds quite particular, but but even if it's thirty percent, that's already worth the while, I think. So let's get back to the interview that we heard at the beginning. The choice to set up office in the countryside, however, alluring it must be, doesn't seem reasonable to us. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, I find it a bit uh, problematic uh, that uh, on the one side, uh, he's designing, the architect designs urban projects and he promotes in a very good way, I must say, living in the city. Well, on the other hand, he himself and his family live in the countryside. That brings me to um, professional integrity. Yeah, so um, not claiming to be perfect myself, but uh, just to say that we should try harder. Yeah? Uh, we, we need to be the change that we want to see in the world. Architects should, should listen more to, to the users and, and maybe even live in the situation that they are planning. So to understand how it is to use the space that they create, let it be private house, social housing, or some kind of urban scenario, um, we have to scale down and have a human perspective on things. So I, I don't remember, if it, I don't know if it's an urban legend, uh, but so Rittfeld himself, as um, I heard, I must say, I don't even remember where or whom said that. Um, could be that I was a student and the teacher was saying it as a fun fact. But um, when he designed for a family, he lived with them for a while. So to learn how they live, to see where they eat their breakfast, how they eat their breakfast, the interaction between them, the privacy, when, when they have the private moments. So even if it was not him, I think as a method, not, I just want to say to all my clients, don't worry, I'm not moving in with you. <laughs> just, <laughs> just to say that um, while it sounds a bit creepy, that is maybe a way to go, right? You need to mingle a bit, understand the situation yourself, experiment on yourself, uh, and, and you have to be accurate with all those nuances um, when you plan yeah. because they're important. You know, one of the modern ma uh, modern ma masterpieces, the Fille Safoy by Le Corbusier. Uh, what's interesting about it uh, as much as we think it's a masterpiece, the owner of the building never lived in it. The 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 owner wants to change the furniture. Le Corbusier won't allow won't, won't allow them. It's uh, that's not that's not how architects supposed to work. We should listen more, and that's why. Well, yeah. yeah. No, that is just that you, you remind me that I I heard of another architect these days who is doing that. Some architects do that. You know, they they sign you on a contract, yeah. they build something for you, and you have to sign a contract saying you're not allowed to change anything without his permission. Imagine. That's really some. Really, <laughs> some someone did that and get away with it. 
<laughs> yes. And you got away with it. And, and yeah, and that's how it is, really. And when I mean, you think about it, it's like, uh, well, an architect is a combination between art and... I won't say engineer, but a practical art. It's a practical art, right? So it used so to be. It used to be engineering, but yeah, I I understand the engineering in the sense of manipulating the space and manipulating the technology. In that sense, engineering. Yeah, it is. So yeah, I I think this is always some kind of struggle, and I think that um, it could be uh, if you, you design something and it has a purpose and you want it the way it is, but if it doesn't work, then it's, then it's a failure. Yeah. And do you want to have it as a failure forever or you want to do something about yeah. it, right? So, I, I guess this, the, the, this discussion sounds similar with uh, uh, the idea of the death, death of the author. You know, if the, yeah, so death of the, the in in literary works when when uh, when when an author finish his or her book, the that uh, body of work that no longer belongs to the author. So similar things should happen with architects. So death, death of the, the architect. Death of the architect. <laughs> I guess. And the least that architects should do is listen to their clients. And I guess that's what we're trying to do with this podcast. We're trying to listen about the city from the user perspective. And sometimes we're going to try to listen from the designer themselves. The project is called And the City. It's going to explain anything that's relating to the city. With me is Hagar, and I myself is Prima. We're both located in Berlin and Jakarta, respectively. We're practicing social distances because of this <laughs> pandemic era. We're going to publish podcasts twice a month. We'll follow by articles twice a month. We collaborate with the platform urbannext.net. And uh, we're going to interview maybe some interesting people and we're going to learn together and share what we found in our research. Thank you for listening. Join us in our next podcast of We The Same. <laughs>